You're listening to the Impact Theory Podcast, your source of empowering ideas and actionable techniques from the world's highest achievers. Join host Tom Bilyeu, serial entrepreneur and co-founder of the billion-dollar brand Quest Nutrition, on a journey to unlock your potential and realize your vision of success. Welcome to Impact Theory. Hey everybody, welcome, welcome to another episode of Relationship Theory. I'm your co-host, Tom Bilyeu, and I'm here with none other than my beautiful wife, Lisa Bilyeu. What is up, homegirl? Good. You know, I was just thinking, actually, What's you've that? got nicknames for the other team members. What's my nickname for the show? Oh, for the show. I mean, you have a nickname that I call you, but that'd be really weird to call you that Yeah, I guess in the show. All right. So we'll go to Facebook. This is a question from last week. And guys, if you've got any new comments or new questions, please submit them right now and we'll get to them. Yes. Um, this question is from Andrew K- Kajowski. Okay. Tom and Lisa, Sam and I just got engaged. What can you suggest we do post-marriage to make sure we stay in love and not let our relationship get complicated, uh, sorry, complacent over time out of comfortable comfortability? Comfortability? Yes. It actually says that? Yes. Is that a word? I have no idea. It sounds wow, cool. we're going to roll with it. All right, so we'll here it. is my answer. I was just thinking about this in the gym today. Um, I'm not sure how or why it became so apparent to me, even when I was pretty young, that love was brain chemistry, that it was um, a state of uh, neurochemicals. And if that's true, it is inevitably going to ebb and flow. It's going to change. Um, you're going to... And, and this is probably the most important part, that if it is a brain chemistry state, you can take control of that. And you can do things to stoke those flames. You can do things to get certain chemicals to pump. Um, so just being aware of that, I think is really, mm-hmm. really critical. And going into it knowing that there's a lot of predictability to the way that love flows neurologically. Um, so in the beginning, and I don't know how long it lasts, maybe like six months, maybe a year, you get that like really hardcore, intense, like drug-like effect um, of new love. That like an intoxication. Literally. Um, and they've done studies where it's like on an fMRI scan, I don't think you can tell the difference between someone who's on cocaine, I mm-hmm. think it's cocaine specifically, it is, yeah. and somebody who's newly in love. So, I mean, it's pretty crazy. You're literally out of your mind. Uh, and it is something that you have to understand that that's going to morph and change and it's going to become something that is, I think, better and more beautiful, which I call a shared life. Um, just, I don't know, calling it like that more mature, deep, like platonic love seems so weird in a romantic relationship because there's mm-hmm. still very much, and this is something, have sex. Like as like blatant as that is, that's really something that... Um, You need to do not to let it become just sort of by the book where you're doing exactly the same thing all the time. Like you really need to keep that fresh. But there is um, there's a thing called bed death where people experience. God, am I going to be honest? It was once it was once relayed to me as lesbian bed death, which apparently is like, what does that mean? Man, now you're, I am parroting back somebody who's in the LBGT community. And they said, it's like a thing. Like in that community, they talk about it a lot. Now I am not an insider in that community. So that basically they become friends, they become roommates. And so once they stop having sex, now why it's more prevalent in lesbians. And if it really is, I have no idea. Hmm. I can certainly prognosticate in that, 
men at least stereotypically are the drivers of that the high levels of testosterone are going to make them much more um, sexually interested for sure so maybe it's not a thing on the flip side of that coin but anyway nonetheless hey like if there are kids in the car uh <laughs> that bed death is definitely uh, a big thing to be careful of you guys want to make sure that just the physicality remains in the relationship that you guys are doing things to stoke those flames just from the pure neurochemistry of what happens when you cuddle and have sex it's incredibly profound um, so making sure that you're doing that and then also just finding the um, the joys in sharing a life and what that means and planning and dreaming and making sure that you're coming together, spending time like that's a big one. That was where I was weak at the beginning of our relationship. You always had to be the one who was very cognizant of making sure that we were actually spending time together that we were reconnecting i was a little more prone to just work 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 mm -hmm. um so i can tell you from experience that spending time together is absolutely critical and that you've got to put that time in um and then just over communicate over communicate over communicate talk about everything define terms like make sure like even just talking about the fact that like this relationship is going to change and evolve and all of that make sure it's all out on the table mm -hmm. um and then I don't know that this is something we've ever talked about. Probably have. Don't lie. Don't lie. You're going to be tempted a million different ways because there are so many little arguments that you could avoid right. by lying and it would be so magical and I cannot tell you how many times I've been tempted. But And the reason that I think that you shouldn't lie is internal. It isn't so much about the other person because the other person doesn't know. So, And I think that's how people get themselves caught up. They know like the likelihood of that person ever finding out that I'm lying is virtually zero. So why wouldn't I lie? And I'm here to tell you, the reason you don't want to lie is what it does to you internally. It begins to build a wall. There's just a separation between the two of you. There isn't that real intense connection that comes with just like knowing that like you can trust what they're saying. Like that's a really, really big deal. And we've talked about the famous, how does my top look example and all of that. In fact, that was like, Episode one, I think that we went into that example of relationship theory. I could keep going. But it's but just the, it's the small there. things, even when you're saying don't lie, right? We're not even talking about the big dramatic things. It's literally the tiny little things that I don't know. It somehow makes me not feel connected to you. If even those tiny little white lies. So it's like, I feel so compelled to tell you, even if it's something absolutely ridiculous, mm. like, okay, yes, I saw the garbage can was full and I didn't change it. I'm right. so sorry. Instead of going, oh, wow, I didn't even see it was... Like, it's so small. So but it's those tiny little things that we do even now, you know, almost 17 years later, um, that we just... <laughs> you and that heavy round, what is with you? Um, round up. But also just, uh, I mean, you've already said this about the brain chemistry, but... When you first meet, everything is new, right? It's the big things. It's like you go on a trip and it's your first trip together. So it always seems so heightened. Like the weekend, um, if we had just met or if it was like in our mm. early stages, the three-day weekend, we would have gone away. We would have done some crazy stuff. We would have like really gone out there. And this weekend, we didn't. And... For me, at least, it was, I so loved just being in your presence and being around you and finding the small things that we did that give me that um, internal 
connection with you that I think once upon a time would have like I would have kind of gone for the big thing so like we went and we just swam and we took Wookie and we put her on this little um we call them lilos what do you guys call them inflatable bed inflatable bed and we put Wookie she was barking barking because we were in the pool and she really wanted to join us and she was barking barking she didn't want to get wet she didn't want to get wet so we put her on this little lilo and we put a little blanket for her and she literally just climbed on and sat there and I I was so happy and content in that moment because I was like, I didn't have to be taken away on a big trip. Like, we mm. didn't need to do something really dramatic. It was like this small little moment where poor Bonsai standing off to her side thinking, what on earth are you guys doing? But, you know, we were just we were just connected and bonded and nothing else mattered in that moment. What's and your take home there? Like, what's your... He wants to know what... Right, it's, it's the small do. moments, right? So it's... A, don't compare your relationship now to how it was when you first met because I think that it's a very different experience. So if you try to compare it, I think you're only going to be left, um, not even with disappointment because it's, if you're expecting like everything to be this heightened, right? Everything's always going to be this exciting and this extreme. You're going to be disappointed because in that moment yesterday when we are in the pool, I didn't have that heightened emotion but I really did take in the small moments of bonding. And so I think when you have a long relationship, um, yeah, like don't strive for that like intensified love at the beginning um, 10 years later because you're going to be disappointed. Look for those small moments in your relationship that you can just really enjoy and find that bonding. Like I was in that moment when we're in the pool and we've got Wookie and I just felt like she's our baby and like we've just made her so happy and me and you and seeing this smile on your face and just how like chuffed you were that you like did this for her. Like I just fell in love with you all over again. And so I don't focus on what it was like when we first met. I focus on the very now. And that's so lower your expectations. <laughs> <laughs> I right, but, like, but that's why like if everything that we have here today was gone, I wouldn't feel like my relationship with you with you would be any different because it's about the small values in those spending those times together. Mm. So, oh, and then just also we had Chinese food. We did have Chinese food. That, but let's so taking it back to his question. Sorry, yeah. How do you Thanks like stay in love? Yeah. Chinese food. No, that's, that's the punchline. Finding very small things that you guys can bond over and feel that intimate connection. Um, like, what is that thing for you? What is that thing for her? And then finding those moments to actually do it. At least that's what I. Nice. Like that? All right. It's good stuff. All right. So let's get to a question. Let's do it. Um, okay. This question is from Suyash Singh. Hey, I am from India. Hi, India. Well, that was very that was dramatic. Yeah, <laughs> that was very, very enthusiastic. I love a girl and her parents are not allowing her to marry me. Whoa. Should we give up on our love for the love of our parents? I love her truly and we both are happy together, but they want her to marry someone else. We took a rational approach to love in the beginning, but we fell in love with each other truly. I know you're just going to like go um, hit them. Hit them I'm like about to throw my fucking mic over and like flip chairs and shit. That is madness to me. So I get it. There are cultural differences. There is no question. But at the end of the day, 
if you're in love with somebody, man, that that's you got to go all in on that to me. Like and to crumble to societal pressure is, again, total madness. So, yeah, I, I don't do well with conformity. I don't do well with other people telling me what I should be doing. Like if you're really in love with that person and you're prepared to make it work as a relationship and you're not just getting caught up in the red hot romance and then it's mm. going to fade away and you're going to look like a total asshole and everyone is going to tell you I told you so. But if you can really understand what a life with somebody is and building something, but having that base of love, like, dude, I am a huge believer in love. I think love is amazing. It is one of the absolute core pillars of my life. And I mean, we got a small glimpse of how I responded when your dad was not exactly enthusiastic about us getting together, but I won't put that in, in this league. Your dad wasn't combative or anything like that. He's very kind and generous from word one to last, but that that is like crazy town to me. So I think definitively, if you are in love with this person, it's reciprocated and you guys are prepared to build a real life together that's lasting, that knows how to ride the change in the neurochemistry that is love, that can go from the fiery red hot to like the shared life and really being partners and really building something. It does not fucking matter what other people think under any circumstance. As long as that relationship is positive, now, we all know I'm a psycho. If somebody is emotionally abusive, absolutely not, totally off the table, that's crazy town. But if this is like one of those where you guys make each other a better version of each other and you're gonna help each other grow and develop and accomplish the things that you want in life, you can't let anything stand between you, period. Yeah, I don't know if you remember this, but when we first got together, you flew to England. So your first trip to England, we've been dating for about a month um, and we were on the underground. And we were talking about the next steps. And it was like, because we both felt this like just electricity that we'd never felt before. And so it was, well, you're in London now, you're here for vacation, but um, what, what's next? You know, I mean, you had a job, I didn't have a visa, I just finished college. And I remember like you saying, well, why don't you come to America? I'll get you a job working on a movie set. Um, I've got some friends in the industry, like we'll figure it out. And I remember turning to you on the underground. I don't know why I remember this, but I said to you, but like, like, I don't know. Like, I have to speak to my dad. I don't know if he's going to let me. And to me, it was such a natural thought. Like, I don't know if he's going to let me because my whole life, my dad has been the alpha of my entire family. And anything I wanted to do, you had to get my dad to agree to. Um, and so I was like, well, I don't know. And it, again, it just seems so natural for me to say, well, I have to speak to my dad. And you turned around to me and you're like, why do you why does your dad have to give you permission and I was what 21 at the time mm. and it, I was like what, what do you mean of, of course he's got to give me permission like apart from the fact that he I don't have a pen you know like my, I'm not working so I'd need him to help supply the money right. um it's my dad like I just I, I just thought of him as the leader of my life really I guess and when you said that I was like like, you were seriously offended. Like, why do you have to ask your dad? And over time, I really realized that what you're just saying, it's you've got to take the leadership of your own life. And ultimately, the point of having children is to let them go and be free. And so as a child, like, doing what your parents say, like, I hate to say, but eventually they are going to pass away. Like, I hate, I'm so sorry, like, to, to say that, um, but they are. And then what happens? 
right? Like that's the biggest fear I have is that I have to lead the life that I want to lead because if I start taking external advice, if I don't believe in it, then what am I going to do if it fails? I'm going to turn around and say, yeah, but they told me so, but they told me so. But we live a life of take control over your own, you know, your own life, like own it. If something goes wrong, if you fail, if you fall, that's on you. So if I wasn't able to really take a chance that I wanted to take because something else was holding me back, I will always look at that person and blame them. Um, And so, yeah, with family and parents, it's like you're never going to be able to change them. Maybe you can over a long enough timeline, but what if you can't? So now literally you're, you're holding back on your future life because other people have told you so. So for me, it was an acceptance thing. Like you were the first, or I was the first person in our entire family, our entire family to ever marry out of Greek Orthodox. Apart from, so my uncle on my mum's side, but that's kind of distant um, in regards to immediate family. Like all my brothers, my sisters, like all my cousins, I was literally the first person to marry out of being a Greek Orthodox. And so you can imagine that. On your dad's side. On my dad's right? side, yes. I was going to say, because your cousins were half. Right. So that's what Greek, I mean on my, on my dad's side. So gotcha. all of my dad's family, no one ever married out of being Greek Orthodox. My brother, my sister, like I was the first person. So I of course got um, negativity, like, oh, what are you doing? You know, he doesn't understand the culture. And so I just had to make a decision. Like, I love this man so much. And what is the worst that can happen, right? Like I could be wrong and our marriage could fail. I could be, okay? And at least I knew but if I was like holding to what well, my dad told me so, my mum told me so, I shouldn't marry this person. And then God forbid something happened to my family. It's like, now what? So I think I'm okay with being wrong. I'm okay with failing. I'm okay with um, something going wrong because I've made that decision and not my my family. Of not what I find really interesting is that a lot of your life is predicated around questions of what happens when that person dies. You think about that a lot. Like you think about like what happens, like even your answer to this question, like when they die then, right? Then it doesn't really matter anymore because they're not there to like echo back or like you've talked a lot about the one thing that would really freak you out about us not having kids is if I die and then you don't have kids. That's really interesting. And I have a totally different frame of reference. But I don't think of it as like a morbid thing, though. No, it doesn't. doesn't, I wasn't even thinking that. What's interesting to me, though, is is how much your world is constructed by the people that you're Hmm. around. Right. So you're much more like when you look at part of the reason that like surgery is so crazy and so hard to do well is because everything in the body is like is connected right like the muscle tissue and the fat are actually intertwined and i mean you can see it in a steak right it's like all like Mm -hmm. marbled together and it's very difficult to just extract one from the other Um, my life is very different than that like internally like my whole thing is about what is that internal compass where like where am i irrespective of anyone else nothing else matters and that's why like For me, this question is so cut and dry. It wouldn't even occur to me. Like, legitimately, if my mom said something like, oh, you shouldn't do that because, you know, whatever. Like, we think you should marry this person or I think. I would be like, 
it's such a non sequitur. It's like, what does it even matter? Like, this isn't your life. This is my life. Yeah. It like your reflection of the world and the way that things should be literally has no bearing on how I see things or like I have an internal experience and I need to be consistent with that internal experience. And, you know, when you were talking, I was thinking about vision and his whole notion of the culture scape and bullshit rules. And then I was thinking about Yuval Noah Hariri who wrote the book Sapiens and Homo Deus. And it's like, he talks about how this is all made up. Like once you understand this is all made up, like everything that you're in the middle of right now. And then I'm now I'm thinking about my boy, um, agent Smith and the whole David Foster Wallace and this is water. And it's like, it's so ever present, like all these beliefs and assumptions that your family, the culture that you grew up in have handed you that it's like, you can't even see that it's made up. And like, now I'm really freaking myself out. Cause I can think even like I'm coming from a Western perspective of the individual. Right. And I think, Hey, what? but even that is water. And it's just so like ubiquitous in my life that I don't even question it. So like from my perspective, it just makes all the sense of the world that like, okay, I have an internal experience. That internal experience is unique to me. I cannot escape it. And it's the only reason that I think individualism is the only sort of the last bastion of reality <clears throat> because you can't escape it. Okay. You can't escape the voice in your head. So if your parents convince you to marry somebody else, but inside you're still pining for that other person, you can't escape that. Mm. If you make a mistake listening to somebody else and that voice is just beating you up because you knew, you knew, right? Like you knew you were in love with that person and yet you went with it and you crumped. You can't escape that. That is the nature of the human animal. You have a voice in your head. It is commentating on everything. It is secreting chemicals. You are experiencing something and that's why to me that needs to be the compass and so what people have to deal with is like uncertainty that's what fucks people up they don't know what they want that's the problem i don't know if i agree though because culture is i was brought up in a greek orthodox family and so we had a lot of cultural things and it's actually it's meaningful to me and so even if it's made up it gives me a certain chemical reaction and so, I, and I legitimately feel that chemical reaction when we, the whole family's together and my dad's doing a barbecue or it's Easter and we've gone to church in the morning. It's like going to church for my dad to see him happy. Like I'm getting that chemical rush. So even if it's made up, I still get a pleasure from it. And so really it's, um, at least for me, going back to the death thing, because I never thought of it like that. That's actually very powerful. It's really because I want to please, right? So it's like, I want to please my dad. I want to make him happy. I want to make him proud. I want to please my mom. I want to make her happy. I want to make her proud. But if I use that as my driving force, then I'm dust, right? Because eventually they will be gone. And then what? So it's, it's almost a, um, thinking of it like that allows me to really go deep inside and say, no, Lisa, what do you actually want? And what do you actually want to do? Because now you're basing decisions off what's internal versus what is momentary pleasure that I'm giving my parents. So, and then ultimately, I think going back to this question is the worst comes to the worst and they say they're going to disown you. I would have to say, okay, like disown me because it's not, I'm not doing something spiteful to somebody. It's just, I'm following my heart. And I think you need to become okay with that because especially the woman, like if she's not okay with being disowned by her family, that could really cause um, friction between her and her 
person. In today's highly unpredictable and rapidly changing world, the smartest move you can make from a financial standpoint is to actually understand how money works and how markets move. Because if you want to have any chance of investing your money wisely and growing your financial portfolio, you have to make a profit. And the only way that you're going to do that is either by setting and forgetting or actually understanding what's going on at a macro level. So whether you're a seasoned investor or someone looking for extra guidance, today's sponsor, Yahoo Finance, has got you covered with all the tools, data, and news that you need in one place to grow your knowledge base around what is happening in the world of finance and to make sure that you have the right goals and you're executing well. Yahoo Finance makes it easy to consolidate your accounts so you can effectively and efficiently manage your entire portfolio. Personally, I love how straightforward their platform is to use. It is very simple to get the information that I need. And Impact Theory's own chief financial officer is exactly the same, spending time helping me frame exactly what is going on from a global perspective so that I'm making the smartest decisions that I can. I definitely recommend that you check out Yahoo Finance for comprehensive financial news and analysis. Visit the incredible brand that so many great investors use at yahoofinance.com. It's the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Once again, guys, head there now, yahoofinance.com. If getting your hands dirty and taking good care of your car or cars is a passion of yours, then eBay Motors is here for the ride because I'm sure you remember when you first saw the potential in that beauty and then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly with ebay motors brake kits led headlights exhaust kits turbochargers bumpers whatever your baby needs ebay motors has it and with ebay guaranteed fit it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time or your money back plus at these prices you're burning rubber not cash keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply fascinating insight um, that's why this is so complicated because the way that each person like reads the other people and like wanting to make them happy. And I don't know like what happened to me, but let me tell you right now, the craziest thing, the most counterproductive thing you could ever say to me would be, I'm going to disown you Fine. because are you out of your fucking mind? Like immediately. Okay. Like I, that's so crazy to me to try to leverage your Mm. presence in somebody's life to get them to do what you want. Like I would never think to present Mm. that to somebody. Like I would never say, well, if you do that, then this is over or whatever. Like that's crazy town. Like to not try to parents do that all the time. Yes, but it's madness. I agree. But it's, it's only madness because it doesn't work on someone like me, but it would work on you. That's what's interesting. That was like the insight is there's that that's so meaningful to you in a way that it's not to me. Like I love my family. I love them so much. It's one of the first things that we bonded over. But my whole thing is I'm going to take you as you are. It, back me up. Do I not say take people for who they are? Oh, yeah. All the like, time. That's my whole thing, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, don't judge them. Empathy, compassion, love. 
connection, all of it. But I'm never expecting them to change. I only want them to change if they want to change, if it's going to give them something that they want. And if they come seeking advice, I will give it. But I don't. I certainly don't proselytize. I don't go out of my way. I'm not trying to get people to change. Ironically, because you would think me doing the show that I'm all about changing other people, I'm a filter. That's it. I'm looking for people who want my mm. message. And I will, hey, I've learned a few things. If you would like to avail yourself of that knowledge as readily as I avail myself of other people's knowledge, please, by all means. But... Man, somehow, some way in all of that, like, because I don't do that to others, dude, doing, like, trying to lay that on me would be just a losing tactic. Yeah. And I do wonder how much it's a female-male thing. Like, because you curious. even said, because we had the discussion the other day where I said to you, so it's, um, you know, we always come up with little questions to ask each other. So what would you rather? And so my question to you is, what would you rather... Um, if you, we were only going to have one child, would you rather have a boy or a girl? Mm -hmm. And your answer was? Um, I don't feel strongly either way, but, but I said a boy. You said a boy, you said a girl because she's no, going to take care I, of no, you. No, I said that, that's why like I would lean that way. Like I get it like that. You'd probably be better Ooh. looked after. Oh, I so had it in my head. You said a girl. Which because I used to, that was always my go-to answer. Um, largely because I wanted a little you running around and mm. then like the way that you think about your dad and want to look after your dad was like always like, Hey, that would be amazing. Mm. But at the end of the day, like when I think about my drive and like my, all of that, like, uh, like if I was going to do But the one. reason why I bring it up is because you, there's an expectation if you have a girl. The expectation is that she's going to take care of you. So in a relationship like this, if your mm. parents turn to you as a female, you, f at least for me, I was brought up to be like, I'm going to take care of my parents, whereas you didn't have that emotional connection with your parents. My, so I think... What? Like, I... My... So first of all, I was... Am still so close to my mom. Correct. So close. Right. And... My poor, long-suffering mother was like, basically, at some point, like, I'll just come live with you. And right. I was like, you're never living with me. <laughs> right. Like, I will get you the nicest old folks home ever. But, like, you would rather be in the old folks home. That's the kind of place I'm going to put you. You're going to love it. This is not, like, some right. desolate, horrible place. It's going to be amazing. Right. But you're not living with me. Right. And I, <laughs> I told her that, like, straight up from word one. Right. And that was just always where I came from. Like, love my mom to death, but like, I get how completely and utterly and forever that changes your life when you have somebody living with you. Well, there's actually that leads to a great question uh, yeah, about we've gone mother. On about yeah, this, yeah, probably... but this is about mother-in-laws, so this nice. is interesting. This question is from Stacy Lee. I feel guilty for asking this question because it involves my mother-in-law. Stacy, don't feel guilty. We've all got to get it out. She's a single mother and I respect her to the fullest for that she's done for what she's done for our, for her children. However, she lives with us and I feel that our relationship hasn't been growing. For example, we re rarely have date nights or alone time in the house because our mother-in-law is at the house all the time. Um, it feels as if we cannot lead the life that we want to lead. I cannot be the wife that I want for my husband because of the little things. His mother-in-law or his, his mother-in-law likes to be in control in the kitchen. I assume she means her mother-in-law. Mm -hmm. um, how do we take control of these circumstances? God. Okay. So I'm going to deal with the world the way that it is, not the way that I wish it would be. So my like straight-up objective advice is you got to get her out. But I'll just pretend that we can't do that for whatever reason. Um, it's going to be some real hard conversations. 
like real hard conversations and we have to define like rules. Mm -hmm. So one, whose house is it? Is it my house and you're living here or is it our house? Now I will say it's your house and she's living in it as such, just like dear mother-in-law, when your kids were in your house, it was your house, your rules. So it's going to be our house, our rules. Now we want to be respectful. I want to make sure you feel welcomed and I want to make sure you feel loved, but there are, and by the way, you're actually going to have to make her feel welcome and, and loved like feel not just say the words. You're going to have to make her feel welcomed and loved because in that, a lot of problems are going to go away just from that. Like if she feels welcomed and loved. Now, once she feels welcomed and loved, now you can begin to like draw lines in the sand and they have to be hard and fast lines. So first of all, if there's a give that you can do, like, hey, for me, and this is probably very different for you, but for me, I don't care about the kitchen. I could not care less. So that would be a magical give to say, oh, you want like control in the kitchen? Like that's going to be your space. But by the way, I would actually verbalize this and I would say this instead of it being sort of this unsaid, like weird thing. The kitchen's your world. When we're in the kitchen, I will do what you want. I will be a good helper, like whatever that arrangement is going to be. Now, this may not be an option for you guys that may be like the battleground, but in a fantasy land, that would be awesome. You have a give, something to really say, like stated, this is your space, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help. Because then there are going to be other times where it's like, hey, whatever that thing is that you care about, that you're going to have a hard line in the sand, you're not going to give, that's going to be your space, it's going to be stated, it's going to be talked about. And then like with date night and stuff like that, that is so critically important, then you just have to like establish, maybe there's times that she needs to go away. If you guys have kids, I think she said they had kids, right? Mm -hmm. So maybe there's times where she's going to babysit and you're going to go out and have uh, an evening. Um, But to say like, hey, you need to make yourself scarce on Thursdays from 7 to 10 p.m., whatever, like that thing is, go see a movie, whatever. Like that's very, very okay in my world. Now, maybe she's elderly and ill and like there could be other complications, but then it's just like you you really have to um, welcomed, loved, and then hard and fast rules, regulations, rules of engagement, all of that. Um, you have to like, this is where it gets hard, but these are the conversations that I've actually had with my mother to give you an idea. Wife trumps mom. Let's all get real fucking comfortable with that. Like once it's stated and now everybody can just like chill and have the conversation and let's discuss. But that's fine, now but the husband that will need to do that. Great. And point. so that's a, that's a question on how Super he's handling point. the situation. Preach. Because <clears throat> we've known somebody who literally um, in those situations, if there has been a little uncomfortableness or the mother's like, the mother-in-law is like overstepping her boundaries and then the son basically just sits there and defends the mother and not oh the God, wife. I don't know who this is. I'm not saying you do not know on who air. this is. No, I'm not. I'm so but curious. But anyway, so it's like, <laughs> so it's, that is a big deal. Like how is your husband and your other half handling those situations? Right. Because with me and you, you stay out of it. And you've always said that. Like if, once it becomes like you need to be involved, then you, because it's your relationship with your mom. But if it's between me and your mom, you most pretty much stay out of it you don't get involved um but you've always said to her my wife comes first and so that and full respect to my mom by the way she's the one that taught me that yeah respect for like sure. so even when i was a kid she was like hey one day you're gonna get married and she has to be your number one yeah. simple as 
So you stating that, me knowing that you stated that, and then allowing me to have a relationship with your mum, me and her, like that was a big deal. And then one thing, advice that I'd give also um, is how... How, are your, how is your personal relationship? So getting rid of the husband, getting rid of the kids, what is your relationship like with your mother-in-law? Like imagine she wasn't living in the house, right? Do you guys actually spend time together? Because that was a big deal and people want to feel needed. So maybe her mother-in-law wants to feel Great needed, point. which is why she's like, feels like the kitchen is the place that she can feel needed and bring value. Really important point. So if you can say to her, like if you can give her that time, like, okay, once a week, me and you are going to go for lunch. And how do you find that out? Communication. You've got right? to sit down. You have to. Um, Ask. But, but I think that sometimes depending on how long they've lived together, you can't just jump into it, right? Because maybe there's slight animosity between them. Oh, you can but, and you have to. Oh, uh, see, I wouldn't. Oh, God. Like Jump uh, into it? What do you mean jump into it? Like, I, I assume would, you mean like a real conversation where we sit down and we say, right. hey, and now we're going to... do. I would say you have that conversation like maybe one or two weeks after you've been able, like if the like... Um, not anxiety, the um, the stress or the friction is up in the air, I would say try and bring that down first before you have that discussion. So if it is the kitchen and that's her place... Bah, like, like you're giving people an out to let this stretch out for years and years because no, the tension like never goes away. I'm saying like... But what are they doing in that week to diffuse it? So let's say, for instance... They've lived together four years. Right. It's a fucking nightmare. Right. She wants her out. Right. She actually fantasizes about choking her until she passes out. <laughs> like, I'm telling you. Like, so... Right. Now but what? If, and I can just say from my perspective, if I get in a discussion where my anxiety and my stress levels are high, 100%. my walls are up. Yep. So I need to bring my walls down okay. before I have that so discussion. So who takes the lead on bringing the walls down? Oh, she has to. Why does she need a week to do it? I mean, I'm just saying that's what I would need. But what would you be doing in that week? In that week, I would literally flip a switch and I would say, like, how can I bring value to her? What are the things that she's looking for right now that I can help with? It's just literally a week, but those tiny little this things. This is interesting for you and I, because like you, for me, it's binary. Once but I flip the switch, it's immediate but you know and that instantaneous. I'm not like that. And that's why but when I we really get, want to learn. Yeah, so, so if we get in a heated discussion, you know yeah. I need to walk away. Yeah, but that's like brief. Like, what are you doing for the week? So the week, it literally is like, how am I bringing value to my mother-in-law this week? Okay. And so at first you of, get like a really bad answer. So instead answer, of worry or? about like what's in... I mean, like, I assume she's busy. It's not like you you can just do it overnight. Like, but this I, is if so if, like if your brain years. is a bit of a black box. Like, I just know, <laughs> give you space, and then magically you'll come back right. and you'll be in a better I, space. I restructure the way I think about things. Interesting. So, so it's would, like mantras, like not mantras, yeah, but like a discussion yeah. that you're having in your head. Yeah, like it's. Um, I would say to myself, how can I bring value to this person? Like, what is the one thing I can do to take? today to make them feel special right. what's the how can i show them how um because you said like obviously she's very grateful for all the things that she does with the kids like what's the one thing i can do this week that makes her seem like me show my gratitude for it you know what i'm going to sit down with my kid and we're going to make a card and we're going to give it to grandma together and so now i feel good about doing things i feel good about making this person happy and then i'll say hey let's go out for lunch next week or let's go out for lunch tomorrow i really want to talk to you things have been weighing on my mind and i really want to um i really feel like you can help me with it right make them feel like a part of this new transition make them see the positivity in it and then 
sit down with them and say, look, you know, I'm so in love with your husband, but we're just not, uh, sorry, with my husband, your son, we're just not having the bond that I feel like I really need right now. And so I'd love your help on this. And the way I've been thinking about it is it'd be really great. Um, I really want to start implementing date night again. And I really need your help on that because we need our space. And so I'm just trying to think, do I, um, do you take look after the kids and me and, you know, what happens when she lashes out? Saying, saying what? And she's like bitchy about it. Yeah, then my, um, I, I would give it a few more shots and then I would have to start putting my foot down. A bit. All right, well, let's talk about the few more shots because okay. I think that's the right answer. Like people need to understand, like really be empathetic for a second. Be compassionate. Put yourself in her shoes. She's living in her son's house, not her ideal situation. Single mother. Right. Single mother. So she like things just did not play out the way that she wanted. And in fact, like if I had to guess, and I don't know this woman, but if I had to guess, she's thinking I made this huge investment in my son. Now it needs to pay off. Right. I need a place. Mm-hmm. I'm his mother, for God's sake. I raised this child. I worked two jobs. Single mom. Like I can feel the momentum emotionally right. for her. And so she's not in a good place. So I think really, really like you have to be the uh, the bigger person. You've really got to invest and go, look, this may take me several attempts to really build this relationship back and get to that place where the walls are down. Both me and her get into a good place. She's feeling welcomed. She's feeling loved. She's feeling my gratitude. Like all of those things, which are real, by the way, you're not faking. Like you just want to make sure you externalize so that she actually feels it. She's feeling good. Building that relationship, knowing knowing that you're going to be rejected a couple times, maybe several times, but that you're going to keep like going on that until it's clear, like they're not going to reciprocate. And then I will just say this, people treat you exactly the way they let you let them treat you. Mm -hmm. So if you put your foot down and say, Hey, and I always think it's best approach it calmly. Hey, I just want to say like, this isn't okay for me anymore. Um, and this is how my behavior is going to be changing. And then I'm just giving you a heads up. And then it's like, that line is really in the sand and you fucking like make it known. And at that point, like you just have to be ultra consistent, ultra consistent, ultra consistent. And just because you've got a hard line doesn't mean, and this, this is important. And this is something I think people are really bad at. If you've got a hard line and you clash, whatever, like once you've established, like this is how it's going to be. Now and forever. Right. But now I'm not upset about it anymore. Right. And you let it go. And you're immediately like, it's, there's inevitable clashes, but you don't have to get moody about it. Right. And that's where people lose. Like something pisses them off and they stay mad for a very long time. And that was always my big thing. I had to learn to not stay mad, to like reduce the amount of time that I was pissed off about something to literal milliseconds. Yeah. So what if she literally will never change Mm -hmm. and now it's affecting the relationship between me and you? She's got to go. Period. Like now we could get in a whole nother discussion where it's like legitimately. And here's the bad news. I think most people just fuck up all the things that we were just talking about. They don't know how to approach the other person. They get pissed off. They've got resentment. They're not able to let it go. They're escalating. They're part of the problem. And so they're never able to like do this. But let's say that they handled it perfectly and she still is a problem. Got to go. Got to G-O. Like, there's no two ways about it. Yeah. All right. So, um, I've got another question from 
Rizwan Masani. I was cheated real badly for a green card for my ex-wife leaving me socially and mentally wounded. I'm so scared of starting a new relationship and being cheated on again. How do I overcome this? There's only one answer. It's all your fault. It's all your fault. And that is a bitter, bitter pill to swallow. But it's the only thing that puts you in control. And your fear is a lack of control. And so you just got to own it, man. You did something to make her feel either you chose poorly. Maybe she's a sociopath. Well, okay? I was going to say, maybe she has, yep. but not 100%. even a sociopath. Maybe she was like, I want a green card. I've seen somebody who it's an easy opportunity for me or yep. my life is so bad in this country that I'm living in. I must escape. And 100%. so it's not about him. It's about me trying to escape. So he misread. Right. He totally misread the situation. And he wasn't able to see that. He was bamboozled. That's on him. And so what are the things that you need to do to really learn to get to know somebody better, to maybe not get... It's awesome to get caught up in the emotion, but not to be blinded by it. And that's what I was wondering. Like, were there many signs that he ignored because he was getting an emotional satisfaction, whether it's insecurity within himself and now someone's showing me attention. And so all these signs you just ignored because or maybe he doesn't see them and that's what he has to work mm-hmm. on just take the most terrifying like possibility right answer the hard question and everything else is easy right. the hard question is he didn't see it right he didn't just see couldn't her see it. right couldn't see and and from the question are we sure that she was the one that wanted the green card i guess that makes more sense yes okay so if she wanted the green card go ahead um i was cheated real badly for a green card for my ex-wife and she that left seems, him socially mentally wounded. Yeah, so that seems very, very plausible. Um, so let's just say that he can't see the most obvious signals, signs. Or did they cheat on him to get a green card? Maybe that's it. Let's not get hung okay. up. She yeah. cheated on him. We know yeah. that. A green card yeah. was involved. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there were signs. And I'm just saying if he's not good at identifying the signs, then that would need to be the first thing that he really does. And so I'm reaching out to the universe. What would I do if I couldn't read the signs? Honestly, maybe one of the first things I would do, I would have a trusted advisor and just get their feedback. Now you have to be careful. You can't just take their word for it. They may have ulterior motives. And if he's not great at judging that, he may not be great at judging that either. But I would have a trusted advisor, somebody to throw things out, be a consigliere, like give me advice. I'm not necessarily going to act on it, but at least I'll get a second point of view from somebody. Um, I would certainly go way more slowly. So I'm not going to rush into the marriage. This is all assuming that I don't trust my own read on the situation. Um, And then, man, and this becomes a little bit tricky. It's certainly in the beginning of the relationship. This is probably something you have to reserve for a little bit later. But I might get a therapist and like say like, hey, this is not somewhere where I've shined historically. And I'd really like to make sure. And obviously, I'm not going to say I don't trust this bitch. And so we need to. But I would be like, hey, I, I recognize that I'm not great at facilitating the open communication of really hearing what the other person is saying. So I want to make sure that we get a more formal setting to talk. And it would be things that I would try that thankfully isn't my problem. Um, and so I'm having to ask myself what I would be like if I were blind in that way. Yeah, because so, 
So many people carry the bitterness. So many. We know people who have been in marriages and been divorced for like almost 20 years and they still hold on to yeah. bitterness. It's a losing strategy. Um, I think some people find pleasure in holding on. I don't know It why also becomes hardwired. Like they've obsessively thought about that person and negativity, that situation and negativity over and over and over and over and mm. over. It also is unfair and they want there to be some sort of cosmic justice and the cosmic justice never comes. And so now they're like really pissed off about things. That's a losing strategy. Yeah. Optimism. Here, this is the the... The thing that makes humans such a wonderful and fascinating animal to be in a relationship, to get hurt and to open yourself to being in a relationship mm. again, knowing that you're probably going to get hurt again. Like that, that is the beauty of the human experience to be able to open yourself up like that and know like, whoa, I might get rocked again, but to close down, to build walls, to push people away fundamentally is bad for a relationship. Like you would never tell a 21 year old in their first relationship, hey, by the way, throw up some walls, really reject them, push them, keep them at arm's length. That's a great way to start a relationship. Nobody would ever say that. Actually, they probably would. Somebody that's embittered and been through that. It's really bad advice. Let me just state that empirically because the way that the human animal, so humans are not necessarily monogamous. And we can get into testy size and all of that, how we know that humans are sort of middle of the road from a monogamy standpoint. It's like they can do it, but it's not necessarily their natural state. So it's like, there's got to be a reason to be in a monogamous committed relationship. And that reason is to be somebody's number one, to feel totally welcomed into their embrace, to know that they're always going to have your back, that they're always going to be your teammate, that it's you and them. Like if you're not able to get to that don't get in a relationship, period. It's not going to be worth the sacrifice. No. It's going to be a uh, total misery. But I think that the, where people find it tough is that they're willing to sacrifice and the person doesn't. And that's when you, you've you been you know, stabbed in the back. They're willing to sacrifice. Like I'm sacrificing for this relationship. I'm mm -hmm. given everything. And then you come along and you cheat. But how do we get deep into the relationship without me recognizing that? Say that again. How do we get deep into the relationship right. one-sided? Like, I get it, like, in the first month, maybe six months, but, like, if the person's not reciprocating, right. thank you, it was nice, really enjoyed meeting you. I don't do, and maybe this is, like, my flaw, I don't know how to help people, I don't do unrequited love. Like, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. No, I know, but I think that you get a certain amount of emotional satisfaction in one arena, that it becomes like that drug we were talking about earlier when you first meet somebody. It's like... People, I think, ignore the bad side because every so often they get like this hit of... Stop dopamine. ignoring the bad side. Yeah, I mean, I think that's ultimately... Like, let me be yeah. really clear. Right. Ready? Yeah. There's one reason to be in a relationship, to be somebody's number one. Yeah. Not to be the number one for somebody, to be somebody's number one. Okay? Mm -hmm. That's it. Yeah. So the only reason you should be in a relationship with me is if you know you're my number one. The only reason I'm going to stay in a relationship with you is because I feel that I'm your number one. That's it. So the moment that you don't feel like that, what the fuck are you doing? Right. What are you doing? Literally, what are you doing? Like, it's not worth the trade. You're going to be unhappy because the only answer I can hear people saying is kids. Okay, well, it's not a positive relationship. So it's going to be a bad thing for your kids to be seeing and being a part of. Like, way better to split and be adults about it and co-parent and support each other 
your parents were a phenomenal example of how to handle a divorce. So let me tell you, it can be done. It's not like there's no pain to be had, but I think there's actually less pain in that where they come together and they're very supportive and all that. Um, never, ever being like showing animosity towards each other. They may have had all the animosity in the world, but they didn't externalize it, right. which is amazing. Um, that I think is less damaging than being together, but being cold or fighting and having this weird dynamic. It's like, oh God, like we can get into attachment yeah, styles and all that. Like it whole... gets pretty crazy, but yeah. Yeah. All right. We've got time for one more question. Woo, we've gone long on a few questions today. Um, all right. This question is from Adam Willoughby. How do you deal with being jealous of past partners? Insecurity, they still like, insecurity, they still like them still or you're not as good as them. Love your work, Tom and Lisa. Thank you. Um, well, when we first met, um, I remember, like, I don't know, we'd been dating maybe for two or three weeks, and your ex-girlfriend had a birthday. Oh, that's right. And I remember wow, you, totally and so that. I'm Greek. His she ex-girlfriend was Turkish, Turkish. Like, and he takes me to a Turkish restaurant. <laughs> that is weird. I have a thing for, like, the Mediterranean but you do. look, apparently. Um, and so, anyway, so first, like, Three weeks in, you yeah. take me to your ex-girlfriend's birthday. She's beautiful. So, of course, like, you know, every insecurity in me just jumps out. Um, and you were so sweet and attentive to me. Like, I think actions matter, right? Words matter. And so you took me there. You held my hand. We never really even spoke about being boyfriend and girlfriend. You walked, like, you weren't bashful about saying hi to her, wishing her happy birthday, giving her a birthday hug. Like, you were just you. And I don't know if you even thought about it, but it was those things, like, you didn't seem hesitant to hug her, which actually made me feel better. Because it was like, you weren't trying to hide anything. You weren't like, oh, hey, happy birthday. And, right. like, you were just like, hey, happy birthday. Yeah, meet my girlfriend, Lisa. Lisa, this is, I don't remember her name. But um, you were just... 100% genuinely yourself and you made me feel very welcomed you made me feel like the most special person in that restaurant um and so that made a massive difference to how I felt about her um and then you um I remember so we used to do photography a lot in our spare time we would go out and just do photography and when I met you, you actually had the dark room and for all those That's people right. out that they have no idea what a dark room is yeah, it's you baby. basically yeah process your own film and you were an artist and you had incredible photography, but you had incredible photography of ex-girlfriends. Um, but again, like you never made me feel like it was a comparison and you never tried to hide how you felt about them when you were talking about them. Um, it wasn't like, oh, yeah, 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 she meant nothing. And no, she's not attractive. Like there's, there's such a force going back to being honest with each other mm. where you were like, yeah, look at this photo. Like I, what I love about this photo is the composition and the way her face is and the way she's looking and like the light, the way it's hitting her. And in that honesty, like I was just like relieved. I didn't feel like you were hiding anything. So I didn't have any kind of jealousy towards them. And I think that... You so to bring it back to the question, yeah. so part of it is the partner needs to be very thoughtful. Yes. Um, and so to give you my perspective on that birthday party, I thought very much about it. And uh, this comes to why I think movies, TV shows, comic books are so important. Like watch a couple romantic comedies to see how to do everything wrong and then do it 
exactly the opposite. So in a romantic comedy, of course, they would go to the party and the person w wouldn't hold their hand and would be a little bit weird about it. And like, there'd be like all these excuses and reasons. And so it's like, okay, that doesn't make any sense. Like, I'm not with that person anymore. I'm not with that person for a reason. I'm with this new person who I am in completely intoxicated by. So I want this person to know and know in certain terms, like, and you want to talk about another thing that I'm not into the whole, like being with somebody that you don't want other people to know about. Like they did a whole thing in sex in the city. If I remember yeah. right, purity is to the other person so that they can be aware of it, that they can be sensitive to it, that they can help you with that. But you have to do the work of not letting it become obsessive. And this is where people trip up is they become obsessed with their insecurities and they like want to feed into it. And like, there's because the insecurity gives them this really heightened emotion, like the intoxic emotions are intoxicating. And this is this is where you get drama queens. Emotions are intoxicating. So merely feeling a strong emotion is kind of fucking cool. And so people like want that like really heightened emotion of like, I'm going to test this person and I'm going to like, I've told them my insecurity. And now like you're in this really dark place, but you feel alive. And it hmm. so it's like, dude. You can't let yourself do that because it's just, it's a waste of fucking energy. So understanding that, yes, you're going to have a temptation to like go into that dark, insecure place just because it's heightened and you feel alive and it's dramatic and even like crying hysterically and like all of that makes you feel alive. So people need to be very cognizant of the way the human mind works. They need to talk themselves off a ledge. They need to understand that there's a negative voice that's found this thing to obsess about to you know just play over and over and they have to say i'm not going to do that i'm not going to obsess about it it is what it is and i'm going to do either things to make that insecurity better if they don't feel that they're educated enough go read um if you don't feel that your body is the way that you want it in a non-obsessive way eat healthier start working out like there are always things that you can do and then men are judged for their wealth and height okay can do all kinds of things about wealth, can't do jack shit about your height. So let's focus on that one. So because you know that there's nothing you can do about your height, to become obsessive about it does not make sense. Mm -hmm. You have to literally say, hey, this is as tall as I am. I'm never going to be any taller. I'm not going to waste time thinking about that. I want to be with somebody who legitimately doesn't care about that. They need to make me feel that they don't care about that. But I also need to shut off the part of my brain that cares about it. like literally deaden it. Stop thinking about it. Don't be obsessive. It is what it is. Let it go. You just have to like do the mental gyrations to not make that a part of what you value yourself for. Right. So you got to do the work is the end of the day. Like insecurities aren't going to go away by themselves. You have to do the work to stop thinking about it, to address what you can address, and then to let go of the things that you can't. And there's a great quote, ah, I forget who said it, but basically there are two things you should never worry about. Things you can change because go change them and things you can't change right. because you can't change them. So stop <laughs> worrying about it. So, and through like doing the mental work, you can get to that point. So I think that in a relationship, 90% of the work of an insecurity is on the person who's insecure. They've got to do that. Let it go. Get past it. Address it. Whatever. And then 10% is the other person. You need to make them feel good about it. You need to recognize what an insecurity is and that if you ever use it against them, like that is a cardinal sin in my opinion. That's a very hateful thing to do. Um, I don't think, I think everyone for their own reason should say, I will never use somebody's insecurity against them. Like no matter what they're doing to me, I'm never going to lash back out and throw their insecurity mm -hmm. back at them. 
So that just feels good. Now, if somebody were being abusive to me with my own insecurities, I'm not going to lash back out of them, but I'm going to pretty rapidly get them out of my life. Um, and that would be my suggestion. Also, the truth is no one looks at someone else's insecurities and go, yeah, that's a turn on. Mm. Like that's attractive. Never. So, Meaning the fact that they are insecure right. about it. Right. So for instance, if I was really jealous about... God, and I am not, but let's just say I was jealous about a, you know, um, a woman who was coming on to you because, right. um, because of quest and everything, you get a lot of young women trying to chat you up. And, um, so imagine I'm jealous about it or insecure about it. Well, I've got two choices. One, go up to you and be like, why were you talking to her? Um, I can't believe it, blah, blah, blah. And so now do you think that I'm more attractive to you or less, right? You're going to be less attracted to me versus I come with confidence. I come with, um, yeah, just confidence. And just, you know, like I've said to you in the past, like, babe, you still got it. Like women are still trying to chat you up. Like, that's right. That's my man. And so I feel proud and about it. And because I feel proud and because even if I do get a twinge of like, oh, she's got a better physique than me. Oh, she's prettier than me, whatever. Because of course I'm human and I'm a female. Those thoughts do pop into my mind. I immediately eradicate it by saying, yes, but he's with you. And so I'm confident. And I really do just tell myself that like com um, insecurities are not attractive. And so if my whole um, goal is to make you yearn for me, is to make you um, attracted to me and feel proud that I'm with you, then I also need to reciprocate knowing what you're looking for. And so, yeah, like I kind of squash that insecurity immediately because it's like, look, if you want to be with somebody who's more attractive or you want to be with somebody younger, or you want to be with somebody with a better body, you're going to be. Right. Like there's no amount of stalking, checking your phone, um, badgering you, arguing with you. That's going to stop you if you really want to. So now I just need to know I'm responsible for my own actions. I can't, you know, be responsible for your actions, but I know what I would look for. And if you kept coming to me where you were insecure about guys who had bigger arms or whatever, like eventually I'd be like, oh my God, enough. Like then go work out, go get bigger arms. Like if that's what your thing is then go do it. But you just badgering me saying like, why are you looking at his arms? Like now it's just draining on me. And I don't look at you with admiration. I look at you going, oh God, here we go again. And so because, yeah. And so that's what I would Every time I felt insecure about something, I would just snap myself back into, like, no one finds this attractive. No one. That's mean, but wonderfully true. <laughs> it's Why so that true. Mean? It You want the other person to just mollycoddle you forever. And right? look, I wouldn't be cruel no, about no, no. it. And you're I would not say, baby, you all. want bigger it, arms. Baby, it's a hard truth. Don't, don't back off now because no, that I'm is not. so important for people to hear. <laughs> not only is it not attractive, it's hopelessly unattractive yeah. and yeah it, it, that is so 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 important for people to hear and i just mean i wouldn't be cool about it i'd be like you're help, trust me but. you're amazing and have always been incredibly <laughs> incredibly supportive of my insecurities but you've also you made be. that very clear yes. like you got to do some work yes. uh it's not sexy for you to wallow in being insecure about mm -hmm. something. Um, and yeah, you got to do it. And guys, when it comes to, and I, I mean people, when it comes to an insecurity, think about the, the thing that like you can't do anything about. Even that, you've got to let it go. Like you just have to. Because as she pointed out, 
it's not sexy. It does not like make the other person feel good to be around somebody who's letting their own sense of worth be diminished by something that can't be changed. Right. So, yeah. There it is. All, All right. right. We've got to be at the end now. Yes, Guys, yeah. thank you so much for joining us. This is a lot of fun. Uh, please submit more questions. We do collect them from all across social. Um, when you ask me a big question on social, though, do know that I will just say, hey, come during a live and I will answer it so I can give it the robust answer it deserves. Um, but yeah, feel free to hit me up across there. Almost made a mistake. Haha, <laughs> you can't trick me. All right, guys, if this is a, you know exactly what I was about I to say. Do. If you guys, uh, if this is adding value to your life, please be sure to share it. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe. It is a weekly show. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care. Bye. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. And if this content is delivering value to you, please go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, rate and review us. That helps us build this community. And that is what we are all about right now building this community as big as we can to help as many people as we can deliver as much value as possible. And you guys rating and reviewing really helps with that. All right, guys, thank you again so much. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care.